Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning friends and saunterers. Welcome to another saunter. It's a very grey day, it's quite warm but it's pretty great. Well, we're going to have a good time today, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we love you. We welcome you. We invite you to open up the Word of God to us. Speak to our hearts. Move in us by your power and your love and transform us into the likeness of Jesus a bit more today. Amen. Super duper. So good morning, Johnny and Fliss. Hope you're feeling better, Fliss. And uh, looking forward to your freedom. Good morning, Chris and Ruth. Congratulations on your Ruby wedding. That is amazing. You guys, fantastic. Super duper. And so we're in Genesis chapter 23 today. And remember, we um, Jacob, uh, Jacob was lining himself up and all of his family to meet um, his brother Esau. And this is probably the biggest fear, the biggest challenge of his life so far. Good morning, Alison. And uh, so here we go. Let's let's read and see how we get on. So Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau was coming. So he remember he'd sent his wives on ahead of him. He'd sent the the servant girls with their children first. Then he'd sent Leah. Then he'd no, no, actually, no, he'd gone ahead of them, hadn't he now? So he was actually being brave. But this is his this is the. In fact, we're going to get the story. So I stopped jumping the gun and let's do it. So um, so Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. So here we go. This is how it happened. And he put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children and Rachel and Joseph last of all. So he's clearly ordering these um wives and children in order of preference which is horrible and mean um and it's sending a bad signal to everybody um but then verse three which i think is a development for joseph he goes ahead of them so it says he himself went on before them bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother so you can imagine him taking a few steps forward bowing down up he gets a few more steps forward, bowing down to the ground. And each time he's taking on this subservient posture before his brother. But he's the difference, I think, that we see in Jacob is gradually he becomes more assertive in a good way, more comfortable in his own skin. He's wrestled with God. He's wrestled with this angel or Jesus, whoever it is in that um, pre-incarnate um Jesus appearing 
moment. He's wrestled, he's prevailed, he's become so aware of his own weakness. He's got his hip dis sort of kind of displaced now and so he's limping and there's something humble and and yet kind of quietly confident about Jacob now. Good morning, Paul. Good to see you. Good morning, Kathy. And so here he is. He's humbling himself before his brother. Now, you remember, this is the same guy who tricked his brother out of his birthright. to So his claim to the lion's share of the his father's wealth. He tricked him out of that. He'd also tricked him out of the blessing that the father put on him. And one of the aspects of the blessing was that his brothers would serve him. But here's Jacob now assuming the posture of a servant and getting down on his knees. Paul, you're welcome, buddy. It's good to see you. Um, he's down on his knees. We're in Genesis chapter 33, Paul. He's down on his knees, low on the ground. He's taken this humble position in front of his brother. And remember, the last contact he had with this brother was him saying, I'm going to kill you as soon as our father is dead. I'm going to come after you and kill you. So this is Jacob. Really, he knows this is a kind of life and death situation. He's facing his biggest fear. And this is what happens. Verse four, it's like the prodigal son story. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck. That means literally he threw himself, his arms around Jacob. He fell on his neck. He hugged him. He fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes and saw all the, saw the women and children, he said, who are these with you? Jacob said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. This is a very different Jacob. This isn't the Jacob who's trying to get everything he can. This is the Jacob who realizes that everything he has has been given to him. It's a gift by God's grace. It's a gracious thing that he has all these um, children and livestock and everything. This is this is God's kindness to him. And he's able to see that and he's able to kind of say, Bro, this is how God has blessed me. Look, this is God's gracious favour on my life. But even the, his language, he says, these are the children whom God, God has graciously given your servant. So he's saying, I'm your servant. Even though he has the blessing and the promise that his brother will serve him, he is adopting the subservient role and the subservient place in this relationship. He's not trying to be somebody anymore. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Wills. And so this is this is quite I think we've seen now over 20 years a progressive transformation with Jacob where he's reduced from being cocky, deceitful and scheming to being someone who's just grateful for God's kindness. And now he's it's 33, Will. Um, it and he's grateful for God's kindness and he he's just looking for favor and grace from Esau whom he wronged so badly before verse six it says then the servants drew near they and their children and bowed down Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down and last Je Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down 
Esau said, what do you mean by all this company that I met? Now, if you remember, Jacob sent this massive gift of livestock on ahead of him. And the list was pretty impressive. And it was enough to start your own quite significant farming business from um, 30 milking camels. And, you know, it was like 10 lords are leaping and all the rest of it. It was just incredible. And he sent all of this forward ahead of him as a gift. And so Esau's questioning him now and he's saying, what do you mean by all this company that I met? And Jacob answered, to find favour in the sight of my Lord. Now he, Jacob, again, he's referring to his brother as his Lord. It's like, you're my master, you're above me. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And so he's saying, seriously, bro, I'm doing okay. I've got everything I need. I don't need your gift. Thank you all the same, but keep it. But Jacob, here we go, verse 10, it says, Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favour in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I've seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. And then thus he urged him and he took it. Now, apparently, you wouldn't receive a gift from your enemy. You would only receive a gift from a friend in this culture. And so this is a reconciliation that's going on here. And the fact that Esau does receive the gift, even though he said explicitly he doesn't need it, this is a sign of them coming together as brothers and in Esau receiving him. And it's quite powerful. And Jacob is saying, listen, this is it, seeing you is like seeing God. And what he's saying is, I, I've been dreading this. I, you, you are the most you are the biggest thing in my life apart from God. You have cast a long shadow over my 20 years in exile with my uncle and all the time I knew this day was going to come and so I've been kind of anticipating it dreading it and now I've seen your face and you've been merciful to me this is like an encounter with God because Esau had the power of life and death over Jacob didn't he he'd threatened to kill him and God has the power of life and death over us and to see his face and to see him running down the road to meet us like the story of the prodigal son. This is just incredible. And so Jacob says, you are you've been gracious to me like God has. You could have killed me. You had power over me like God has. And yet you've chosen to receive me. You've chosen to come running towards me. This is beautiful. This is the prodigal son in the Old Testament, and yet it's the prodigal brother, isn't it? Jacob had done enough to thoroughly offend and upset his brother forever. And yet here comes the brother. And even, even in the, the kind of detail of it, Esau was the rough and ready outdoorsy guy, the hunter, the rugged man. 
And yet here he is showing immense grace to Jacob and running to meet him and being all affectionate and lovey-dovey. And this is an incredible moment. And this is a very strong kind of foreshadowing of that prodigal son story, but also the sense of God, how he receives us with grace when we come to him in humility and brokenness and recognising that all we have is from him. Right, so... He says, for I've seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. Thus he urged him and he took it. So that's really cool. So they've made friends. Verse 12, it says, then Esau said, let us journey on our way and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail. And that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. So Jacob's a shepherd. He's a dad. He's concerned about the flock. I think he's also thinking, quit while you're ahead, Jacob. You know, because the, we just don't, don't want to take too much for granted. We don't want to presume on this relationship too much until we've tried it out a bit. Let's let him go. Let's let brother go on ahead and we'll catch up kind of thing. So he says to Esau, you know, my Lord knows the children of it. If they're driven hard, the animals, if the if they're driven hard for one day, all the flocks will die. So he's saying we can't keep up the kind of pace you can keep up with your 400 men. Just go on ahead and we'll catch you up. Let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant and I will lead on slowly at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me and the pace of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. So Esau said, let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favour in the sight of my Lord. So he said, no, let me leave. So Esau says, let me leave some of my men with you to kind of help you and escort you, blah, blah, blah. Jacob's like, no, honestly, please just go. (laughs) You know, I'll get there. I'll come on. I'll come. I'll come behind you. But Jacob journeyed to suck. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. Now, Succoth just means booth. A booth is like a sort of shed, a temporary building. It's not got foundations. It's like, and so he's made shelters for his animals. He's built a house for himself here. And he's kind of settled. So he's kind of done two things different to what he said. One was he said, God had said to him, right, I want you to go to Bethel, which is where he met God in the staircase, you know, with the stairway to heaven thing and the angels going up and down on it. Um, and so he, he'd not gone to Bethel. So he'd not fully obeyed God. He was heading in the right direction, but he hadn't got there. He'd settled. He'd parked himself somewhere different. He hadn't also gone to be with Esau and Esau had gone on ahead and Jacob had taken a diversion and gone a different way and built himself a house. (laughs) So I think Jacob is thinking, I'm really glad things have gone well with my brother, but I'm not going to presume on it too much. I'm not going to get too close to him just in case he bites me, just in case something goes wrong and our relationship unravels as it may do. And bearing in mind, we are siblings and siblings do have issues sometimes, don't they? Right. 
so um so Jacob journeyed to Succoth, built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore the name of the place is called Succoth. And there is a feast, isn't there? The feast of booths, which is called Succoth. Um, and the, that's all about where they make shelters and they camp out in fields and stuff. That was a Jewish festival. So same name. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padan Aram. And he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he brought he bought for a hundred pieces of money, <laughs> hundred pieces of money, what kind of money? We don't know. The piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. Therefore, he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. And so that means God is the God of Israel. <clears throat> so he's moved. He's gone off a little bit of a tangent but as the story unfolds, we see it all plays out OK in the end. But he's doing a bit of a kind of Jacob thing still. There's a bit of a he's got another plan. He's got a scheme. Oh, my. And uh, there's there's an important truth in here, though. Jacob has come to understand <clears throat> that the blessing and so on and the prosperity that he's enjoying is not because he's come up with some amazing scheme and he's deceived somebody or he's worked a fast one. It's because of God's grace and God's kindness. And so there is this really, really, really important piece of revelation that is delivered to us from this story. If we can just see it. And that is that our, God's way to bless us is by his grace. And our way to get what we want often is to try and scheme and come up with this great plan and strategy and everything. And God wants us to sit back into his grace. It doesn't mean that we don't plan, but it does most certainly mean that we don't scheme and manipulate and maneuver ourselves to try and get what we want. God is big enough to position us at the right time with the right person that we need to meet and so on and so on. He's big enough to open the doors for us, to make a way for us without our scheming and manipulation and string pulling and all the rest of it and watching for the main chance. And so um, this is really an incredible message that comes out of the life of Jacob if we can see it. And it's really helpful for you and I in our day to day relationship with God but so now he's settled down in um, Shechem the area of Shechem and he's bought some more land so in a sense he's doing what God um, promised to Abraham they're taking possession of the land he's just bought a bit more real estate now legally from the locals um, by parting with money and you know fantastic so this is uh, just and then he builds an altar there and what he's doing, he's saying, God, I'm acknowledging you right here, right now. You've brought me here safely. We've crossed over the River Jordan. We're back in the land and you've brought me here. So I'm just acknowledging you. So every step, every victory, every milestone we cross, let's worship God, honour him, give him thanks for him getting us safely there. And may God bless you on your journey today and take you safely to your destination wherever you're going. In Jesus' name, God 
bless you lovely saunterers. Have an amazing day. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. Or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.